Welcome to Well, I Know Now, the podcast in which I talk to people affected by dementia in various ways. I've chatted to people living with dementia, those looking after them, to actors, poets, artists, musicians, filmmakers and best-selling authors, and every one of them has taught me something new. I'm Pippa Kelly. My mum Kay lived with vascular dementia for her last decade. At the time, my family and I knew virtually nothing about the condition. We were worried, frightened and overwhelmed and possibly in denial about what might be wrong with mum. Sadly, that's an all too common scenario. Now though, through my campaigning, I know so much more about this cruel set of diseases. I know now that it's possible to live a decent, if changed, life with dementia. I know it's down to all of us to help those with the condition live better, more fulfilled lives. And I know that it's often the smallest things that make the most difference. The poet Sylvia Plath wrote, well, I know now a little more about how much a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. Dementia teaches you this too. When I last interviewed today's guest for this podcast, it was the summer of 2020 and we were cautiously emerging from our first lockdown. Indeed, that hot July day, my guest had just been to the village shop for the first time in 100 days. Little did we know then that by autumn, we would be getting ready to hunker down again, this time in tears, remember those, and Christmas would be canceled. Only now, as we approach the summer of 2022, are we able to say, hopefully, that life is finally resuming some sort of normality. Back then, in July 2020, I said that I admired this young mum from Chepstow for her understated determination, her strength of character, and her obvious love for her family. Two difficult years on, those words are truer than ever. Susie Webster's COVID experiences have been an intense distilled version of many of ours. We've all had to adapt to become used to a new norm, all the while knowing that it wasn't forever. For better or worse, families were thrown together in unusually close proximity. For Susie, whose parents came to live with her, her husband Andrew and their two young daughters 10 years ago, this meant caring intimately for her mum Barbara, whose dementia is now so advanced that she rarely speaks and cannot walk or look after her personal needs. It brought two terrible days when they thought they were losing Barbara and open, honest conversations with the teenage girls. While continuing to work three days a week for Age Cymru, the Welsh equivalent of Age UK, Susie, a trained social worker, cared for her mum for over three months before fully handing back this role to formal carers in 2020. She was also homeschooling her girls. She admits it was exhausting physically, mentally and emotionally. Zoom helped them all and online yoga gave Susie breathing space. Recently, since the world's opened up, she started playing netball and launched herself into something called sea dipping, about which I want to hear more but have no intention of trying, particularly off the Monmouthshire coast. It was very apparent the last time she and I spoke that Susie's husband, Andy, a hospice chaplain, is a huge support to her. I couldn't have done any of this without him, she told me then. He's a very special human being. And so too, I have to say, though she'll kill me for saying it, is my guest, Susie Webster. 
to whom I'd like to give a very warm welcome for the second time to Well, I know now. <laughs> Thanks, Pippa. My <laughs> <laughs> gosh, what a couple of years I've had. <laughs> what a couple of years, which I thought it would be very, very interesting for you and for me and for listeners to talk about those two years, really, which I know is going to be sometimes quite difficult for you. So take your time. And But first, how how is your mum, I think, I mean, correct me on any of these ages, but I've been sort of looking back and I think she must be 77 now. Yeah, uh, this year she will be, yeah, in December, yes. Yes, and just to remind listeners or let new listeners know, your mum lives with Alzheimer's and a rare form of dementia associated with her hydrocephalus, which is fluid on the brain. And at the time when we last spoke, her carers had gone down from six to three and she was in a wheelchair... I don't think she was bedbound then, but you can fill us all in with this, Susie. So just remember back to then and then, you know, if you can, just um, fill us all in a bit about how the two years have been. Yeah, sure. Oh, gosh, it feels like it's been a bit of a whirlwind now when you sit and reflect on it. But yes. probably the most frightening time of, well, certainly the most frightening time of my life, feeling completely sure that we were going to lose mum to COVID because mm. certainly at the start of the pandemic it was quite clear that thousands of vulnerable people were going to die and and what hope did she have trying to fight a virus like that so it was very very frightening but two years on mum's still with us which she is incredible did she have a contract um covered she didn't no which is you know all praise to the carers who've worked mm, really incredible. closely with her and followed all the guidelines and which kept changing all the time and mm, <laughs> was really difficult mm, to mm, to keep up with but yeah an incredible care agency that have got us through all of this no doubt I mean just before Covid we as a family were starting to wonder are we at the point where mum needs to live in a care home and I remember thinking about that a lot over the last two years and, and feeling very grateful that yeah. we hadn't made that decision yeah. in 2020 yeah. because we can see mum every minute of every day and to have been mm. separated from her I can't imagine what that's mm. been like for mm. families who've mm. experienced that mm. but mum's uh, you know two years on dementia's moved on it doesn't yeah. stop for anybody no. No. <laughs> and yeah so she's more limited in terms of her mobility she's not bed bound we do our very yeah. best to every morning assess how she is and if it's a day that she's able to get up and most days it is uh there's just now and again she needs a bit of a duvet day just a bit of a rest um which we all do (laughs) yeah and and you know when those days are but again the carers always think about how much can we get Barbara to do Mm. rather than dwell on the things that she can't do Mm. so yeah we all maintain that attitude really so her, her speech again it comes now and again I had a love you last night as Did I um, kissed oh, her wonderful. when she went to bed you know and when it comes it's the best moment ever but less frequently now but we've learned to read her language through her eyes oh, okay. <laughs> and her, yeah. her expressions we've learned my mum's language as her dementia's progressed I suppose so yes. Knowing her so well makes life a lot easier for us because, you know, so often you don't think about what's missing. You think about what's available. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say life is always positive and there's there's mm. many down days and, the, and mm. there's many moments where I feel like, oh, this is just so awful. But we've I think because we've got through the last two years, we've 
we feel like we've come out the other side and, mm, and we, mm. we feel like celebrating that. <laughs> well, I hope you can. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you can in your own ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to really remind yourself, just go and sit with your mum, just go and hold her hand, just mm. go and stroke her hair because life is so busy and especially mm. with the girls now and busy mm. jobs and my dad's less able now, I suppose, as well. He's two years older. So we're all just adapting as we go along and I, and, and remembering that, you know, mum is there, just go and be with her and just... I put, often put my head on her shoulder and now and again her hand will reach up and just pat my head mm. and that's that's my mum Pippa you know I know I remember that and that never changes that feeling of mum absolutely we discussed that last time Susie yeah. you said you know you wanted to it was very sweet actually because we had a real moment of connection because you said even though your mum doesn't speak very much, you still wanted to go and give her a hug and you missed her every day. And when things happened, you know, with your girls, you sort of wanted to go and talk to her about it. And there's a little check moment when you think, actually, that's not really going to be quite possible. <laughs> not not in yes. the same way. And that so brought it back with me and my mum, you know, who was in a care home, of course, so she wasn't sort of with me like yours is. But yes, this sort of immediate reaction, oh, I'm going to go and tell mum. And that's that weird thing about dementia, isn't it? Because the person is there. But in a lot of the ways, they're not. And I think that's the really difficult bit. It is. And I've tried to really role model that with my girls. So they'll come in from school and say something, oh, I did well in, in my maths lesson, for example. Mm. And they will say, I'm just going to go and tell Ma. Mm. Mm. So I don't have to say, well, go and tell your grandma. It's part of our everyday life. Elsie talks to her all the time about her netball matches. And Anna talks to her all the time about her little theatre productions that she's involved in. And I don't think they miss mum. Well, they won't miss mum like I do. They've grown with mum. So they don't say, Grandma doesn't answer my questions. I was about to ask, how do they deal with that? Because certainly as the adult daughter, and I don't know, you know, mm. I found that very difficult. And I haven't got your reserves of patience and... Um, you know, I, I, no, I know I haven't. I, I just couldn't do what you do. I, that's why, you know, I take my hat off so much to you. But anyway, um, I find that very difficult not getting back. And that's so interesting when you said you now can read your mum through her eyes. And I've been talking a lot this series. It's weird the way you get themes that emerge in different series of this podcast. And one big theme is the way we learn to communicate in different ways and the importance of just sitting, literally yes. sitting with somebody. Being being with somebody. Yeah. So how do your girls who have sort of always known grandma without any dementia, haven't they? No. Ah, no. interesting. No, and mm. I think this is key to what we're talking about. So they can't really remember mum being able to have oh. fluid conversations with them. Um, mm. Certainly not Anna, who's mm. now 13. Mm. So when they go to talk to mum about something, they don't expect mum to be able to join in the conversation mm, mm, but mm. she feels what they are talking about Absolutely. so when Elsie went on netball tour I said Elsie will be home tomorrow mum she's mm. been to Spain with her netball tour oh, and mum mum's eyes just filled up with tears of joy I must yeah, say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we are getting through mm. still and the girls see that we're getting through mm. and they get 
something back from her, which is quite a unique thing, really, yeah. from a grandparent who's not trying to fix it, tell you what to do. They're having a conversation with her, even it doesn't look like that to most people, but to them, it's how they have conversations with my mum. It's all they know, I suppose. That's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? I mean, that's just wonderful, yeah, actually. I wonder yeah. what they'll go on to do with that, with that amazing sort of ability and gift almost that they've now developed or yeah yeah so Elsie is 16 yes yes starting a GCSEs on Monday oh, goodness oh, god help good luck with that <laughs> yeah, I know. Golly, yeah. <laughs> you think looking after us with somebody with dementia's hard hard enough I know I know two, two teenage girls it'll knock that right <laughs> yeah. um no um so has she begun to talk at all Elsie about what she might do I mean it's so interesting this really profound understanding of the way to communicate with somebody with dementia it's you know pretty mm. extraordinary yeah so Elsie's hoping if she gets the right grades to go to college in Bristol and her aim at the moment is to become a police officer oh um so she's going to do a course for public services so she gets an opportunity mm. to try out being a paramedic mm. being, mm. being a police officer um mm. Elsie has this incredible empathy which I believe mm. Mm. has come from caring for my mum and so that's a great gift to have especially if you're working in the police because <laughs> Anna wants to be in the West End Pippa so so neither of them realize the gift that they have I don't oh, think okay that's and we too. you know we don't talk about it like that you know I think they're amazing and I hope they know that they are because I think my mum tells them in her way mm. that as well. So, yeah, it will be interesting. I know they're not scared to come into a care home because my job means visiting lots of care homes, mm. which obviously mm. I haven't been able to do a lot of mm. recently. But when I'm on the road visiting care homes, they'll often come with me and they're they're just great at talking to people yeah. living in care homes. So, yeah, maybe one day there's a podcast with them, Pippa. <laughs> I was thinking that, honestly, I really was, because I did, I remember right at the very beginning of one of my very first guests, I think probably just before you, was somebody we both know called Zoe Harris, who's done a lot in the dementia yeah. world, and her daughters are older than yours, a lot older, and in yes. fact we did, we didn't actually get one on, but I remember Zoe got one of her daughter's permission to just read out something that she'd written about, yes. you know, her late dad, Zoe's late husband, Jeff. Because I think the next generation's perspective on it all is incredibly interesting and, and in a way very important to us all because that's the future, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. And those relationships, isn't it? I've got a friend who I work with with um, Dementia UK and her husband's got dementia and he's just moved into a care home where his children are... 10 and 8 something like that so you know it's just, we've been supporting each other for about five years but the relationship's obviously very very different mm. if it's your husband or yeah. if it's if it's mm. your mum and young girls going through that so yeah mm. there's mm. lots of stories to be told about this and still incredible lack of support for children it's my big thing that I'm always <laughs> banging on about is where is the support for children who are affected by dementia because I've still not found it and helplines don't work for teenage girls they don't ring people anymore <laughs> quite no they just absolutely you know. don't you're so right yeah what would you think what's your sort of dream I know you use the young dementia sort of network yeah, I mean, my dream for us as a family would be to have an Admiral nurse 
that had walked this journey with us and understood us all as a family. Yes, and I just we... want to quickly interrupt you there, as I did before. I won't go on at yeah. such great length as I did before, but animal nurses, specialist dementia nurses who come into families, often at a point of crisis when somebody's thinking about going to a care home or thinking about putting a relative into a care home, but yes, they are psychiatrists, nurses, counsellors, aren't they? They just sort of yeah. wrap around. That's sort of what they do. Mm. So carry yeah. on, yes, yeah, so you would like this. That would be, well, that would be brilliant. Yeah, and schools to have more of an awareness of mm. what it might be like, because it's very different to caring for somebody in later stages of their cancer diagnosis or, you know, it's very, very different. So there hasn't been a lot of support for the girls through their school. And that's been disappointing, really. Young carers team have been helpful at times, but you know, what my girls need is that emotional support. Of course, um, yeah, I can imagine. But as a mum, you can't always be available to give because you're you're living it too. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to come round to you. I'm saving up the best till last because, you know, you take it all, Susie. You know, you have this responsibility always round, so don't worry, I'm going to come to that. I'm going to take us back, actually, now, and I hope this won't be too upsetting, but I know that there were, as I said in the intro, two terrible days when your mum nearly mm. died. So... What happened? Yeah, it was it was quite sudden, really. Mum just suddenly deteriorated. So when we went in to see her in the morning... When she... was it? What stage of the whole two years? Oh, very recently, about five weeks ago. Right. That's all. So, yeah, I'm still trying to process it, really, but I'm, I am very happy to talk about I'm it. I'm very because... grateful to you to talk about it. I just think it will be very comforting to other people going through it. Yeah, you know, caring for somebody who's living with a terminal disease for long term mm. is, is mm. you know, people talk about the the slow loss of, of somebody, uh, you know, they talk about the um, anticipatory grief, mm. the, you know, all of these things you hear and you read mm. about and you think, oh, I need to probably know a bit more about that or understand a bit more about that myself. But every day is just a normal day for us as a family. You mm. <laughs> don't often think about the impact it's having on you every day mm. until something like this happens. And the deterioration in mum was so sudden that I thought this was it. And I've never been there with mum before. And, I, and I'm really aware <laughs> when people are caring for somebody, they often go through this roller coaster, particularly mm. towards their end yes. of their life, where yeah. you think, oh, this is it. Yeah, um, and a few and times. Then, <laughs> yeah, but we haven't had it before. So mm. so when it happened, the two carers that came in the morning were ever so worried and actually quite tearful because they'd never experienced mum like that. Was and she just not responding at all? Or? Hardly, mm. hardly at all. We couldn't sit her up. She couldn't move her head up. She wouldn't even take a little tiny bit of fluid. So it became a duvet day, obviously, mm, mm. <laughs> very quickly. But a different um, sort of duvet day. Yeah, I think towards the, the sort of middle of the afternoon, I got a little bit panicked that mm. we were going to hit the mm. five o'clock mark. I mean, I think this is a UK-wide problem. Absolutely, I remember that, Susie. In these yeah. in these sort of days, I had with mum and dad. Yeah, you looking and thinking, yeah. "Golly, everybody's going to clock off." Yeah, I've already said to mum, if you don't mind dying between nine and five Monday to Friday, <laughs> that would make it helpful. Yeah, I think five might be a, a, bit, a bit too far in. I think maybe three, nine and three. Um, oh, that would be very helpful to us, you know. So, But it is something that as a carer, you, you are very aware of. I remember that, know, Susie. Yeah, even though I didn't anything, do the with you. Anything, unless it's like an out-of-hours service that you... You don't know the person, they don't know you. Nope. So towards the afternoon, I started to think, oh, better start 
getting my wheels in motion here and start, mm. actually what what do I need to do and I didn't really know and it is I was that say, searching which around. is a really cruel question yeah had you thought about this prior to it not in this way not really mm. because every morning Pippa if I'm honest with you and I just pulled my mum's door open to say mm. good morning to her. Mm. I think, is this going to be the yeah, day that you've got a little she's... bit of trepidation? You do, and it's a fear that you just mm. live with mm. that one day. So draining, she won't Susie. Be. That is so draining yeah. for you. Yeah, it is. So, you know, we've we've done our advanced care plan. We've done power of attorney. We've done all the very very practical things. I was say, those are the practical things, aren't they? Nothing yes. can quite prepare you for the emotion. Anyway, sorry, you no. carry on. Yeah. So mum's got the hospice nurses involved. So St David's Hospice are providing some support and have been for the last, well, um, just after the first lockdown, really, they, they started to become involved in our lives. Mm. But So mum, mum's been assessed as requiring palliative care. But what it does mean is we get access to specialist nurses. So mm. that, for us, is a really amazing reassurance that mm. we have someone to call on that knows about this stuff totally. so that's mm. what I did contacted our mm. hospice nurse who mm. said oh I've been moved positions I'm now working in another area oh. but she was brilliant anyway and said I know I who they to are contact. actually I think they're a special breed they are they are they're admiral nurses aren't they but mm. you know I think the only thing we've experienced with them is their lack of knowledge around dementia Mm. Um, so yes. they're very very queued up on cancer mm. care in particular mm. and the hospice cares for people with cancer mainly mm. so mm. you know it doesn't quite fit with mm. mum but mm. still they know what they're doing at end of life so we had two hospice nurses that came within a couple of hours really but mm. I think sadly they'd never met mum yeah. so they couldn't see the deterioration mm, in her mm, mm. They, they probably thought this is what a lot of people living mm. with end-stage dementia look like mm, mm. so I was trying to explain that's not the case and yesterday she was sat in her chair eating a fish pie so mm, mm, this mm. is different and I, it took me to say I can see something different in her eyes I can see something different in her eyes and they said this is probably her time so those words were oh yeah <laughs> a little bit like being slumped in the stomach you, you, yeah your, your heart goes turns over yeah, yeah but part of me kind of expected that and I thought right okay I I now need to do this so I this is how I cope with things I will totally break down two days after a, a traumatic event mm. <laughs> at the time I'm the person coping with it yeah, and your adrenaline kicks in and you and, get through yeah mm. Yeah, and I'm thinking always about my dad, about the girls, you know, about, right, what do they need to know? How are we going to all get through this? So, yeah, she didn't eat or drink for almost 48 hours. Um, we were pleased to get a little sip through a straw. But the hospice nurse had said to me, Susie, if she doesn't want to eat or drink, just let her go. Right. So it was serious. And luckily, I think me and my dad completely connected on it. So he yeah. wasn't in denial. And I was saying, Dad, this is going to happen. We just looked at each other. And it was that moment of, OK, this is it. Hmm. What are we going to do? Hmm. Um, and I started doing the most random thing. I knew mum was comfortable. Dad was with her. I just went off and started baking brownies. Mm. No, that doesn't <laughs> surprise never me. Yeah, I never baked yeah. brownies. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just, I, it was like I needed to do a very mum's thing. thing. A, a it's a comfort, thing. comfort sort of displacement. Yeah. Yeah, so that everyone would have brownies when they came round to see mum 
to mm. say goodbye. You know, all the girls came home from That's school. There was going to be brownies. Isn't it? It's a bit. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know now. This is me wishing on completely without any basic knowledge. But you know, when you're pregnant and you start these very Nesting. sort of deep, instinctive yeah. human things come out. I think at these moments of huge, profound change and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got a friend at the moment who's really quite pregnant and she said she keeps sort of cleaning the house and that. And it is a bizarre thing, this nesting. And I suppose perhaps, I don't know, this is me yeah. with absolutely no knowledge whatsoever, but whether the same profound things go on in you. And obviously there's yeah. this displacement, but it's very comforting, isn't it, to bake? Yes. And also and it's I nurturing sort of, and, yes. I felt very similar to that at the start of lockdown when, you know, Boris announces do not leave your house. I actually felt like that's... I, I'm not a great fan of his, but I did feel like that's a good mm. thing. Everyone can be here under my wing. So I didn't feel frightened at that point. I felt frightened prior to that because the care homes were saying something's coming, Susie, it's going to be really bad. Yes. And I was like, oh, I need to. I remember telling you I got my yes. girls out of school earlier. You did. You kept using a phrase, which listening again yesterday to it, the podcast we did mm. then, you kept using this phrase, we needed to draw in. Yeah, and that's how I felt, mm. you know, five weeks ago. I really wanted the girls to just get home from school. Mm. I didn't want to go and get them from school because I just thought that would panic mm. them. Mm. Mm. But that also made me think, I don't know what they want when mum is dying. Mm. And I really need to have that conversation. So if mum does have a duvet day, we have an arrangement that I text the girls and let them know that mum's having a day in bed. Right. Because when they walk home from school, they walk down some steps to get to our house and mum sits almost in the window. Mm. Mm. So if her chair is empty, it really upsets them. So once I knew that that was a problem for them, I've always texted them to say, Ma's fine, but she's just having a day in bed. So you've done that before five weeks yeah. ago? Yeah, we've always done that. That was in place, as it were. Mm. That was always in place. But when this was happening, I was thinking, mm. I don't know what they want mm. me to do. Do they want me to get them out of school? Do they want to be with mum when she's dying? Do they want to see her when she's dead? Like the... Oh, gosh, the conversations that everyone tells you to have mm. and you never quite get round mm. to mm. became something that I was like, right, this needs to happen. So as soon as they got home from school, they knew instantly from my face that things weren't mm. great. And I said, when your dad gets home, we're going to sit, have something nice to eat. I've made brownies, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were like, why have you made brownies, mum? Oh, thank God for brownies. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> and that we'll all sit around, we need to have some conversations. And then they were like, no, you need to tell us what's happening now. Hmm. And so we just, I don't think they'd even taken their coats off. And we just sat down. And, and I Andrew said, hadn't come back yet from work. no he mm. hadn't come back and also I couldn't get hold of him mm. and that's probably because he was with someone who was dying yeah. at, the, at the hospice yeah. and that's always a bit of a conflict because I think mm. well I need you here mm. so again Gosh. that was something since that I was saying I can't not be able to get hold of you again what can we do better and and now we've got mechanisms of getting hold of him again it was something that we never mm. really mm. thought about so so the conversation with the girls was mainly about how mum was that day and that she wasn't eating, she wasn't drinking, and that's starting to think about the fact that this might be the time mm. that Ma leaves us. And, 
using the word dying and, you know, the hospice nurses and being very open. Had you used the word dying or death before in the context of your mum with your girls? I don't think so. But since we have, and we've mm. talked about her funeral and we've talked about what we all want to happen. And I've made sure the girls know that whatever they've said, like they've both said they want to be taken out of school if it's the time that mum is mm. dying. But Anna wasn't sure whether she'd want to be with mum when she died. Elsie was, yes, adamant. Mm -hmm. She wants to be there. Elsie's 16 and Anna is 13. Yeah, and they mm. have a very, very different relationship with my mum. Elsie is incredibly close to mum. Mm. She's her best friend. <laughs> Anna, not so much. You know, they're just mm. different in that mm. way. Mm. So, yeah, so we it was good to be able to have those conversations because I think what I was worried about, Pippa, was that they would be cross with me. Why didn't you get yeah. us out of school? Yeah. Why didn't you do yeah. this? Why? Didn't... And I just thought, I can't cope with that as well as <laughs> no, no, <laughs> everything. Yeah. And they are older, and particularly Elsie being 16. Mm. You know, we, it's very different to even two years ago. Yeah, although oh, um, those are sort of absolutely pivotal years, aren't they? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had those conversations. I made sure I said that, you know, you can change your mind about all of this anytime mm. you like. <laughs> so you might say in two weeks time, I don't want to be taken out of school. Or mm. actually, I don't want to be with Ma when she's dying. And and that's fine too. It's just, but we need to make this a conversation that's just in our lives now and again. So we're not all frightened. Yes. So that was really good. It was strange also because me and my dad just went into talking about what we'll do with mum's bedroom when she's not in it anymore, which was also a bit like the making the brownies thing. It was always mm, like, mm, mm. and if I'm really honest, part of this gave me a sense of relief. And and I I want to be honest about that because I think we have to be honest about our feelings around a situation like this. That's and so good of you to say that because I felt it. And I know that when I've said that publicly, lots of people have come up to me afterwards and said thank you. But these are emotions that it's so difficult to admit to oneself, yeah. let alone yeah. vocalise. I mean, so thank you very much for saying that. And it's totally understandable. Do you think your dad felt the same? Yes, perhaps he did. I haven't spoken to him about that, but I think we connected in that way and could see a life beyond caring because uh, myself and the girls have booked a holiday in July, mm. which we book and we think, I don't know if we can go, but we mm. anyway, we've booked it. And one of the things that came straight into my head was my dad can come. And I think he probably would have had some thoughts like that as well. Anyway, but anyway, she bounced back. Mm. 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 <laughs> um, and, you know, we're grateful for that. I think you're probably protecting yourself as well. Just thinking about that for a minute, this relief and this projecting yourself forward to the other side as it were yeah which is going to happen one day and I know my husband always said that to me which was hugely sort of helpful to me when it happened on we probably don't want to hear this but it happened on several occasions you know yeah you go yeah. right to the brink you go to the edge of the cliff as it were yeah. your leg is virtually dangling off it and then yeah. you bring it back and then life goes on for a bit longer but I wonder if that's a coping mechanism to sort of protect your emotions to protect yourself because you've got to know that there is life beyond it yes yeah I don't know mm. honestly I don't know I don't either know. I just I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I see that there is life beyond and I see that 
that can be a good life. Mm. I can also know the terrible, terrible loss it will bring when you've cared for somebody for so long. And, it, it, you know, every decision I make has to consider my mum. So if I'm going away for a weekend mm-hmm. or going out for a night or, mm-hmm. you know, going to see a show or something, mm-hmm. it's, oh, well, can we get a carer for mum if my dad wants to go somewhere? So, mm-hmm. you know, that, of course, it's going to bring a bit of relief. That, mm-hmm. I know everything needs a contingency plan, doesn't it? I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it mm-hmm. does. And the girls have missed out on things because of that, let's be honest, but also they've gained so much in the the people that they've become. So mum has been a gift to us. I don't know what sort of grandparents she would have been to them. Mum's not always been the easiest person, you know, and I've said Mm. that to the girls because often Elsie lives in a dream of what she believes my mum is and mum's not always been, you know, she's been tricky at times throughout my life. Yes, you said that she was a little bit, I mean, you had to, you were left to cope with putting your grandmother in the yeah. in the care home, weren't you? Because your mum just yeah. didn't do it. And you said she was, huh. I think these were your yeah. words, so I hope I haven't, you know, got this wrong, but that she was a little bit sort of, I think the words were sort of emotionally stunted. Yeah, that's the words, definitely. But definitely. then with her dementia, it sort of released something or, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah it did. I suppose it's whatever that stunting was about or, or mm. it's not there. So mm. She's, mm. Interesting though that Elsie, yeah, sort of has this, yeah, has this this rather rose-tinted view, perhaps. But then yeah. why does it matter yeah. in a way? I mean... Yeah, yeah. and what she knows yeah, <laughs> now... Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, is, you know, it's all she knows. So that's great, isn't it? That's, it is, that's, and it's lovely to think of it all as a gift to your girls, which I can completely yeah. see how it is. It's going to make yes. them extraordinarily... Well, you've already said this, you know, have wonderful empathy. And so do you? did you ever get to the bottom of it? Was it an infection with your mum or...? No idea, no, no idea. idea. So there's 48 hours and then a few hours after that, really, she just opened her eyes and I said, oh, hello. And she said, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're back then. And mum's always had a very wicked sense of humour mm. and we still have it. So, you know, I said, we thought you were dying. <laughs> and she <laughs> yeah. laughed and laughed. I said, we, did. we were at the hospice nurse was here. We were all crying. She, she thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know I, I said no don't do that again we're all right here and yeah. yeah so the following day she was back up in her chair eating and drinking really well so oblivious to know. the to the yeah to the sort of bomb that had gone off in your lives as it were and then and how yeah. did you all recover from this how did life go on for you all well, we all felt quite, um, I don't know, the adrenaline kicked in again in the kind of, oh, oh, we got, good, right, we don't have to do what we thought we were going to do, which was, mm, mm. you know, think about funerals. And so, yeah, it was, yeah, we're just even more grateful for her, mm. I think. You know, we, mm. we all spent much more time with her then, just appreciating her again and turning a leaf, I suppose, into this is all right, we're doing all right. Yeah, mm. and and reflecting on it now, we did wonder whether she did have COVID. I was thinking that yeah. when you were talking. Yeah, so when mum did deteriorate quickly, I phoned the care agency and spoke to the manager and said, she's really not good and we're, we're ever so worried. And I said, do you want me to give mum a COVID test? And she said, oh, Susie, don't put her through it. The way she was lying 
mm. all curled up like mm. a little baby, you know, mm. he just didn't feel right. And and mm. the mm. care manager just said, what difference will it make? We can't do anything different. Mm. So I, I gave a paracetamol. Mm. I said to the care manager, Martine, you know, does it make a difference to your carers? Do they have to do anything different? She said, no, we've got full PPE. We are caring for people that have got COVID. I was going to say they must have been, yeah. Mm. They still need to be cared for. So just please just don't put us through it. So mm. I didn't, and I sort of forgot about it, if I'm mm. honest, because mm. I, mm. I thought, well, this is it. So I, I don't know. And, mm. and also, mm. you know, she has had a booster now, which she mm. wouldn't have been able to have had that been COVID. So I'm grateful, really, yes. that um, she's got yeah. another layer of protection. Yes. And so, Susie, turning to you now, and I know you probably won't, I don't know, we'll yeah. talk about this, but... Did you, so, did you hear my eyes rolling then? <laughs> yes, I heard your eyes rolling around your skull. <laughs> um, but I worry about you. Um oh. Because, you know, you you take it all on. I sort of see you as a bit like an octopus because you've got these arms that have to go around everybody, you know, and then where are you in it all? And I know that you did say to me before that you've had, I mean, this sounds so ridiculous actually to even say it because it's like, well, of course you've had a bit of anxiety. I mean, of course you have. Um, But you take responsibility for all of them. You actually sort of said that. Now, who takes responsibility for you, and I know you, you're a team, aren't you? You often use that analogy. You're a team with this dementia, and it's a teamwork thing. But I, you're a bit like the, the team captain. You probably won't like that analogy either. But <laughs> you do yoga. You started netball. You started this horrific-sounding sea dipping off the Welsh coast, which I can't think of anything worse, quite frankly. Well, actually, it does sound sort of lovely in a way, but absolutely terrifyingly cold. Tell us about what you do and how the I was about to say, how the hell, but please forgive me, Andy. Do you get through it? (laughs) Yeah, you see, I think you're looking in on my life and I'm just living my life. Yeah, I completely understand that. Yeah. I don't see it like that. I see it that we are a team. If any part of this team wasn't available, it wouldn't work. So I'm always, always incredibly grateful to my dad and his patience. I'm annoyed with myself for even saying this because I really want to focus on you, but how is your dad? (laughs) Yeah, he's struggling. He's struggling Mm. more. You know, he's in his late 70s. Mm. He's a very active man in terms of work, so not going down the gym or doing ridiculous sea dipping, but he he likes to work. So I'll be sat, I'm sat in my front room at the minute and I've just seen him go past with a, I don't even know what sort of tool it is, but he's just fixing something out there. Mm, So he's mm. always, all of his life, worked really, really hard. And Mm. he's made some incredible adaptions to this house to suit Mm. mum and suit us all, really. So, But he's struggling physically. So the other day he said to me, what worries me most is that it's not that I can't do things so much any well, it's that I don't want to do things anymore. So he's quite low in in his mood at this moment in time. I think I've said this before, but we as a family, I am the person that does this, is make sure we've all got things to look forward to in the diary. So he's got a big trip for him coming up in June where he's going to see the Eagles in Edinburgh. And then he's going to stay there. I know. I've got in front row seats. (laughs) Uh, Cool. I love the Eagles. (laughs) 
<laughs> and yeah, he's going up with a friend and then he's staying with a friend in Edinburgh for a few nights. That is a lovely thing to look forward to. Yeah, so he's, you know, he is looking forward to that and he can do that. And I've always said to him, Dad, you can do anything you like. We just need to plan it a bit. That's all. And we can do that. It's just, you know, like unlike other retired men of his age, they can't just walk out the door and say, I'm off. I'm off to Spain <laughs> for the week. Mm, mm. He does have to um, consider the situation. But other than that, he can do what he likes. Mm. I can do what I like. All of us can. We just need to plan it. But, but for us, that's part of mm. our lives mm. and part mm. of our family. Mm. So I don't miss not being able to do that. It's because it's been like this for so long. Mm. So I I am worried about Dad. I am, I've taken over much more of the practical looking after them both yeah. in terms of getting their food shopping, the washing, you know, the, the things that um, mm, he used to he be used able to do. To mm. do. But that's okay. You know, the other night he needed to take, I was away, so he needed to take Anna to her dance class, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. he can do that mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So mm. from an outsider, it seems bonkers, <laughs> everything that mm. I do. But I I don't feel like that. I not only have my team around me in this house but I have my team outside of this house the people that I know are solidly 100% there for me and I think that's taken a while to grow and that's taken Mm. a while for me to nurture and not make it all about me but about there's any danger of that actually Susie (laughs) well my my best friend um, had breast cancer recently and again you know, that was a moment for us. I've known her since I was, I talked about her before. Mm. I was two and she was four. Mm. <laughs> and, oh, you know, was that was frightening. That was really frightening. So, you know, but she's 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 on my team. How is she? She's cancer free. Oh, um, yeah. So, but it, it was a whirlwind of a few months where it was it was really difficult for her and, yeah, for her little family mm. as well. So... You know, we we solidly have each other. Mm. We always have done. Mm. And Mm. when mum was very ill that five weeks ago, Mm. I phoned the members of my team Mm. (laughs) on the outside Mm. or Mm. text that actually messaged them and said, today is a bad day and I think we might be losing mum. And I did that so they knew, because what I thought was she was going to die, that I wouldn't then have to text everybody saying, oh, mum's died, you know, so they knew I was mm. going through. And they, they were brilliant for that 48 hours, just checking in on me and mm. making me laugh a little bit. How many are there in your team outside? Well, they all have different roles. They probably don't even know this. I've not, <laughs> I've not given them their badges yet. But, I'm just interested. Um, is it about, about half a dozen or more than Yeah, that? I mm. would say about half a dozen. Mm. Um, so I, I think I, I know wanna... one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to come on to her because she's the special one, I think. Mm. But um, obviously my best friend Susie, my friend John, who joined our bubble during COVID and mm. literally saved my life during that time, I think. I could not way? have got through it. He He's just solidly been there as my friend, there for me. He gets us all. He's our little Admiral nurse <laughs> without mm. knowing it and without getting paid. And we have fun. We have so much fun together. Is he an old friend? Or a friend, he's you... a friend of probably about the last 
I don't know, maybe six years, that he lives locally and that was different to the other members of my team. Mm, yes. And they weren't all connected in with, with their family situation. So he was struggling, you know, living on his own yeah, at the yeah. time mm. as well. So, so it worked. So it came together mm. and, you know, we've we've become really close since that. So mm. Mm. I know I just need to say, John, can you come down? And he, mm. he would mm. be here. Mm. He loves my mum. He's great mm. with my mum. Mm. So and the girls just love him very much as mm. well. So mm. and 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 my dad. So with you know even the dog loves him. So it's <laughs> that's been a, a new relationship, I guess, in terms mm. of the way that it's grown. And you were still working, weren't you? Yeah, I've continued to work um, and have my moments of feeling like I can't do it all. But sure, well, don't know you how know, you do it all. No, financially is <laughs> I have to do it all, <laughs> and I love it. I love working to support the care homes in Wales and especially after everything they've been through. So mm. my job is a privilege. Just quickly say what you do. So I work for Age Cymru as the care home network manager. And my job is to support the care homes in Wales. So it's to form a network where we share good practice. In, in the last couple of years, it's really been about emotionally supporting each other mm. as well. Um, and I deliver training as well so it's been a lot of online a lot of zooms a lot mm. of people in boxes mm. <laughs> mm. i've started going back out to the care homes i went to two last week and it was just brilliant to be yes, the, to so back people, out there so again yeah. yeah 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 and other members of my team my cousin diana because i I'm an only child. She's my family. Jillian, mm. um, who lives locally, again, is my practical friend. Mm. During COVID, she did our shopping. Yeah, mm. she was great. Mm. She's mm. very, very good at things mm. like that. Mm. So my friend Jamie in Birmingham, who is, he's a therapist, actually. He comes into our lives in a different way and he's very calm, mm. very, very patient, very supportive, really lovely man. And then, of course, I've got my Eurovision friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a, uh, Yes, this is the one really weird thing about, <laughs> about <laughs> Susie Webster, everybody. She is a huge <laughs> Eurovision fan. <laughs> if you thought swimming in the sea was mad then yes, we'll you are come to that see. yeah I don't know which is the madder really anyway <laughs> yeah that's my team the people you know you can turn to um yeah. but the team captain is Sarah Reed every mm. time yeah mm. I, I can't really put into words my relationship with her because mm. it feels like she's taken some of my mum's role I thought you were going to say that Mm. And and, I, and she would hate it. Oh no! Sorry, She was so maybe an older sister. I better, don't know. I, I, it's, there's a good word. There's like a really good cousin or something. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. Just, All she is is Sarah Reed. <laughs> but I know so, what you mean. I mean, all joking aside, and we don't need sort of tags, do we? And titles. But just as you were talking about, it, I suddenly thought, I bet there's a bit of what your mum was. I bet she's providing. A bit of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And she's my wise friend, mm. although she's completely she bonkers wise. as well. Yeah, she's that's great, isn't wise. it? We, 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 we love a bit of bonkers. <laughs> oh, we have so much fun. This is mm. the, the, everyone mm. in my team is about 
playfulness and fun as mm. well. And not just because she cared for her mum. When mum was very ill, mm. I knew that she just got it. And mm. I didn't really need to talk about it too much. But I knew she was there. And, you know, she's already spoken to me. And I know, Pippa, you've mentioned this to me as well, is that when mum has left us, mm. what life might be like then mm. and to expect the breakdown, really. And, mm. you know, mm. I'm glad to have that knowledge yeah. and experience because I won't be able to prepare for it and I won't be able to stop the breakdown even no. when it happens but you know it will be more understandable to me at the time that it will this be is perfectly it understandable is. yeah yeah and maybe it won't you know maybe you're so strong no. but um you are going through a heck of a lot but so that we can end on a slightly lighter note <laughs> a bonkers note oh no what okay. is this what is the seed dipping then? <laughs> well, <laughs> and obviously joined... I only want to know purely, you know, out of a sort of factual interest. So I've joined a group called Dawn Stalkers and we meet at Panath. Well, they meet in Panath, which is on the South Wales coast, every morning at sunrise. And it came from a chap called Grant, who is our captain, who during the first lockdown mm. would make himself get up in the morning to see the sunrise as a, a reason to get up because mm. it was hard really yeah, hard yeah. for for people at that time and and this group has just grown and grown over time and it's part of the mental health swims thing which is you know it's, it's a very inclusive group doesn't matter what you look like whether you want to go proper swimming or just mm. put your toes in mm. it's about community really it's mm. it's not even about the sea but the sea does make you feel brilliant it does there is it's an amazing it, it's the vastness and the continuity yes. of it I think you know it's just the space, there. You, yeah you look out and you see that space and you think mm. I'm only a little dot on yeah. this planet yeah it gives you perspective doesn't it, it? It's really has helped me. It's nice and early in the morning, so mm. it doesn't affect yes, school you get runs. It done. So, and my friend Gillian is amazing because she just drives and picks me up because mm. she has a nice warm car and I don't. So, mm. off we go. We go once a week because mm. of the distance. Is mm. you know, it's just about forty-five minute drive mm. there. So, yeah, I, I've been going since last July every week. So, uh, I've built up whatever you build up, some sort of layer of fat. I think <laughs> <laughs> that, that means it doesn't feel like quite as cold. Does but, it not? Um, no, it doesn't. And now it's getting warmer. Do anyway, you run in? So. I don't run in. No, we have to be really careful. You want not just give yourself a heart attack. Yeah, because you can get cold mm. water shock mm. and that's mm. not pleasant. Mm. It made us think, right, okay, we really need to get some of this equipment. So we've got the sea socks and the sea gloves and a bobble hat. We look okay. gorgeous. I yeah, would not be sending sexy. any pictures of this. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you just go in slowly then, do you? Or? Yeah, just go in slowly. After it, you must feel mm. amazing. Yeah, you do. The endorphins, the sense of achievement, the mm. perspective. Go home, have a hot shower and face, face the, the day. Mm. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It is bonkers. I never thought I'd still be doing it. I never thought I'd be going through the winter months. If someone had said to me, you'll be in the sea in February, I thought, I'd think, no, I'm not that mad. <laughs> but clearly <laughs> <You are>. I <laughs> am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, um, yes, well, good luck. We got your vision and your sea dipping. Um, And you're just amazing. I mean, you're incredible, absolutely incredible. And one thing really struck me, so much struck me actually about that conversation. But at the end, I was thinking that, you know, the power, the huge 
enormous need in us all for human connection. It is possibly the most important thing in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Isn't certainly. it? Because the way you talked about your team, your team that you reach out to, the way yeah. your mum connects with you through her eyes, your daughters yeah. and your mum. We haven't really talked so much about Andy, but... I know, and I probably should just quickly say... <laughs> go on, quickly say, quickly say, go on. Leave the best till last, you said. I did. So this obviously is my husband who... I probably would describe myself as the team captain here, but I think he probably is that. He holds things together much more than I do. I go and do lots of the things that I love because I know that he's here. And his relationship with my mum over the last two years has turned into a bit of a love story. Mm, um, I remember you their saying connection, this before, yes. oh, Their connection is just so heartwarming and every day after work he comes in and yeah. he'll always help mum have a dinner he makes sure she's had enough to drink he makes her smoothies every morning with her thickener yeah it's, sometimes there's not enough you can say is there but no because he must be you know emotionally so exhausted because of his work as a as a chaplain yeah. and you said you know you said we almost joked you know that when you needed him when those two terrible days when you thought your mum might die he was probably with somebody dying and then to come home every yeah. night and his reserves yeah. of emotion and yeah yeah he's a very very special person and I probably don't appreciate him enough and like today here we are on the podcast and I've managed to mention him right at the end, but I hope he knows. I mentioned him in the intro, if any consolation. <laughs> Thank you. I hope he knows. I need to tell him more, but I hope he knows how much I love him. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, I think we'll just stop now then. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Thank you. I think Thank you deserve you. each other, you and Andy. Wonderful. No. Thank you very much. I had forgotten quite how lovely Susie Webster is. I've rarely met someone as fluent and honest about what she is going through and how that feels as she is going through it. She has a beautiful, uncomplicated way with words. It's one thing to talk about difficult emotions after the fact, quite another while you are in the midst of the ongoing maelstrom. The way in which she described the two terrible days when the family nearly lost Barbara was heartbreaking and searingly honest. In this sense, Susie reminds me of another of my guests, Jane Roberts, whose husband Chris lives with dementia. These individuals are generous with their time and emotions so that others may learn from their experiences. Thank you to all of you. Your testimonies are very powerful and immensely helpful and comforting. I had remembered from our last podcast chat that tiny, precious love you that Susie hears every once in a while as she puts her mum to bed. Two words worth more than the most bedazzling, glittering jewel, a phrase that will stay with me now forever. We mentioned Admiral Nurses, the specialist dementia nurses trained and supported by Dementia UK, and you can find out more about them and whether you have one in your area by going to DementiaUK.org. That's it for another season. I'll be back in the autumn with more funny, wise, warm and wonderful guests. Until then, stay safe and well and have a fabulous summer. And finally, if you've enjoyed listening today, I would be very, very grateful if you would rate, review 
and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on, as this will help spread the word about the podcast, and then together perhaps we can further diminish the stigma, increase the knowledge, and quash the myths surrounding dementia.